Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Being pre-recorded the, the night of Hanukkah. Nights of Hanukkah is a little more difficult to find time and quiet uh, to record any kind of Shir. Hence, I am availing myself of the few moments in the morning. This week's year dedicated to the Nishma Samilia Basara, a yard side of Shabbos, Mirz Hashem, Valin Latev, Mishbia Gutta Better, Skusi Yogan Alenu, Akal Yisrael, for her son, Shlaima, Shabbos, Shuis, Adichas Yam Vishanim. This week is Pashas Mikates. This week, Shabbos Hanukkah. This week, Shabbos Hashchidosh. That's a mouthful. Um, two days Hashchidosh. Shabbos the first and Sunday the second. Pash Mikates is a Pasha full, full of just unbelievable happenings. I don't know if we use unbelievable, it's Teda. But just fascinating. And they're fascinating even if you would read it as a story. Just as a story itself, the happenings and the ongoings and the conversations are just amazing, fascinating. Needless to say, of course, we know that it's not a story, it's Teda. Teda is Lashon Heira. We need to learn lessons and life lessons at that from everything in the Teda. And therefore, we need to hear out, to dissect, and to, as we do every week, <coughs> discover our lessons in our daily life from the portion of the week from the week's Pasha. This Shabbos will be taking out three Sifrei Teda, as I mentioned. Pashas Miketz will be laid in the first Sefer Teda for six Elias. The second Sefer Teda will be for Hanukkah. And the third for Eishchidosh. And therefore the seventh of the Hanukkah and the eighth of the and the Maftir is Shabbos Eishchidosh. And I think I made that one in reverse. It's the other way around. It's Eishchidosh and Hanukkah. And the Aftar is Shabbos Hanukkah with the addition of Eishchidosh and Machar Eishchidosh. Therefore, the Avteir and the Mafti is actually Hanukkah. So the one who gets Shishi in Pasha Mikates gets a nice portion, because he's going to get from Shishi till the end of the Pasha, instead of stopping at Shvi. And the Shvi, as we said before, would be Rishchidosh, and then the, Avteir, the Mafti would be of Hanukkah. Many different beautiful customs of Hanukkah. The one that's most relevant to all of us is the lighting of the Meneda, the kindling 
of the candles of the menorah. And in spite of the rampant anti-Semitism and BDS or anything else you want to call them, ironically, this year, there are more public menorah lightings than ever before. And of course, that much better attend attended just because of or in spite of all the ongoings. Hanukkah is a festival of lights. Light means joy, means happiness. We do not discuss any discuss not going to discuss any morbid or sad moments or details. We try to only find the good and the joyful and the beauty and the illumination of the Chag. The concept of light, we all know, a drop of light dispels, but it doesn't just push away, meaning pushing away, it totally eradicates darkness. You can take a candle in a pitch dark room with no windows, no doors. Well, if you're in a room with no windows, no doors, you've got to worry. But in a totally dark room and light a candle, even light a match, and you will see the light disperse, the light spread in the area which it's in. And of course, as long as that being contained, you can illuminate any part as you move the candle or the light to any direction. The menorah, in turn, although the mitzvah is to light up the world, shall we say, to illuminate the world, ironically, the menorah itself is not allowed to be used for its light. You're not allowed to light the menorah and use that light to read a book. Some have, most of us have the shamis as well lit on the menorah. Bimikre, in case it does happen that a person does lean over and wants to see better at the book or whatever he's reading, and he decides to use the menorah, it's the shamis candle that we say that he's using and not the regular candles. Out of Shabbos, <laughs> I was semi-reprimanded last week when I finished the shir and I didn't give any halachas of Hanukkah. First of all, um, the dinam of Alanism, Alanism is recited in Birasa Mozain after Neid Lacha, and Eshmenes after Meidim. If one finished Manasseh and forgot Velanism, not much you can do. You can, if you'd like to repeat Eshmenesseh as a Tedus Nedova, as a donation, but it's not an obligation to repeat Eshmenesseh. And sometimes you can't just keep doing Tedus Nedova because it's borderline 
Brachlavatola. Hal is recited each day in Shachas. For those who are already into Hanukkah three days. Unlike Rishchedish or Yomtev, after Halal we say Chati Kaddish, the half Kaddish, and then there's the reading of the Torah, and then there's Asher Valetzin. Lam Naseach is not recited throughout the week, as we do not say Tachlon. There's no Musaf, And the regular davening, the same goes for Mincha, for Meirev is the regular davening, with the addition of Vialanism. Erev Shabbos. We need to expedite things. And it's difficult to do that because, especially in most parts of the world, um, barring the places that now have summer, i.e. my son in New Zealand. Um, out here in the East Coast, al Kapanam Shabbos is about 4.15. And therefore, the cooking and the cleaning and the being ready for Shabbos needs to be done substantially earlier as we need to light the Mineta and we need to light Shabbos candles. Mineta is lit before Shabbos candles are lit. Obviously, because if you light the Shabbos candles, you can't light fire anymore in the house. And being that the women come to here and Yetzer from the Shabbos, from the Meneda, they need to be Yetzer. With, well, it was, they could still light themselves. Hence, Meneda needs to be lit prior. The Meneda needs to burn. You need to have extra oil. You need to make sure the oil is going to... The Meneda, since some, most people... Don't light by Shkia, except for the Sephardic, or some of the Sephardic, I won't say Sephardic across the board. There are some Sephardic communities that light Lafka by Shkia. says Mr. Shkia Generally, Chabad, most people light after Maidiv. Obviously, we try to have Maidiv slightly earlier. The and therefore it needs to burn for half hour after the say sakachovim nightfall. But if you're lighting already after shkia, you're lighting up after mitzvah, then there's definitely no problem. It burns a half hour. Masha'inkein, forty minutes. Masha'inkein. If you're lighting now by plaga mincha. Plaga Mincha is today in New York about 3.37 and candle lighting is a half hour after that Shabbos candle lighting sunset therefore is 18 minutes after that and of course the Tzitzit nightfall is about 35 minutes after that do the math because you want it to burn 30 minutes after nightfall. So in essence, you want your banana to be burning till about, if you're in New York, and you light it about a quarter to three, you want it to burn about a quarter to six.
quarter to four, sorry, not a quarter to three, quarter to four, then it needs to be into the quarter to six. You need to have about two hours worth of oil in there. Um, and as we said, it needs to be done before Halakas Natus. Mini Khanaki Gelt. Those that have a mini, then the fifth, fifth they give out Khanaki Gelt. On the fifth candle. Night's the fourth, tomorrow night's the fifth, is not a problem. Thursday night. And those that have a custom, Baruch Hashem, they give every night Hanukkah guilt. Children should know that it's Hanukkah, we give Hanukkah guilt. There is no Indian of giving Hanukkah gifts. It's Chukzagoy. And you can't put a Hanukkah gift under a Hanukkah bush anyway. So it's really not any relevance. Hanukkah Yelt is Hanukkah Yelt. It doesn't have to be of tremendous magnitude. Um, some give 10 cents a day, a day. Some will give each child $2 a day, a dollar a day, whatever it might be. Shem should bench everybody with multitude of money so that they should never have a problem hesitating to give Hanukkah Yelt or giving anything to any of their children ever and ever. So, even after Lenin Mineta, on Friday, if one can still squeeze in Hanukkah, it would be amazing. Um, obviously, the girls would probably grab it and run to light candles and put tzedakah in before. So, it works that way anyway. Hanukkah Yelt. Mata Shabbos. In shul, they will light the menorah after Maidav, before Elena. If those light in shul, it doesn't mean you need to light in shul. I'm sorry if you, I hope you're not taking that misconception. That those that light in shul, they have just a light for Pesuminissa, it's then lit before Elena. The Custom at home is to make Abdullah first and light Menorah after. Have eaten after Menorah lighting. Um, and again, of course, Hanukkah yield. On the fin of the Lichtel, fourth of the Lichtel, the Yem Yem is brought down, was called Latkes Ovent, the night of Latkes, and therefore they would have Latkes and they would give out their Hanukkah yield. Um, we're going to, I think I've devoted enough time to the customs and the halachas of Hanukkah. Those who want to know where to put them in native, some put it in their windows, some put it by the doors. Um, it's across, in Mini Chabad, it's across from the mezuzah. And we take that from this week's Pasha, Vahimi Kate Shinosayim. Shinosayim, the letters Shin Nun Sof Yud Mem. Ismail Ner Tadlik Yemin Mezuzah. On the left side you light the candle, and on the right is the Mezuzah. Hence, telling us that the Meneda should be lit across from the Mezuzah in the doorway. Does it need to be done by the front door? Does it need to be done by a door closest to the Shusram? Uh, that is obviously something that, because the idea is. 
that Dominator should be seen, should be public, and people should <coughs> learn from it. As we've told the famous story with the colored candles on the windowsill. Hanukkah is a time of Jewish life, Jewish religion, always giving. As we said, Hanukkah is a time for giving guilt, Hanukkah guilt. Um, should we make an appeal at this point for our annual website um, payment? <laughs> Usually sponsored by Grand Prix anyway. But people can always send in, regardless, it's on the website of Shear.us, how to send in donations, how to send Hanukkah guilt, and just talking about giving. There's a Yid in Bnei Brak, it's Kanayin had 101 years old. Many, many, many happy years. Don't want to say till 120 because, hey, you know, he's already 101. So, you know, to get to 120 is not going to take that long. And I'd like to see him a lot longer than that. He was asked about his longevity. What is the secret to your longevity? Is the question. And his an- the answer was a very interesting one. He said, when he was a young child, his mother passed. His mother passed away. And his father remarried. father he married and he was about 11 years old a person collecting a pauper never came to the door and was collecting charity at the time, his stepmother was salting the chickens. She was koshering chickens. She had two chickens on the board. She heard the pauper ask for money. She went to go get some coins. When she came back, she saw the pauper stole one of the chickens. Everybody were chasing <coughs> to no avail. He got away with a chicken. A few weeks later, he says his stepmother's father came to visit. And the, the knock at the door. The knock at the door, and the pauper is standing there, the same chicken snatcher. 
So the stepmother, the daughter, tells her father, that's my chicken snatcher. He's the guy that stole my chicken. So my step-grandfather, <laughs> stepmother's father, slapped the fellow across the face twice. You ganif, you thief. He started berating him. The guy started to run away. I was 11 years old, he says. I was very concerned. <coughs> this person should have what's called a kapeda, hard feelings against our family. Has to show. It's not a good thing to have people have kapedas against you. And nobody should ever have a kapeda against anybody. Everybody should forgive and try to forget, try to move on, no matter how hard and harsh things were. Anyway, I was concerned this fellow would have a kapeda. So I ran after him. He saw me chasing. He started running faster. I said, no, 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 please wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to hurt you. So he stopped. I went over to him. And my mother's, my stepmother's father had just given me a bunch of coins. And I gave him the coins and I said to him, please, tell me, friend, that you have no capita against our family. After all, you just got slapped in the face. He said, no, Kasa Shalom, I have no kapeda. And because you're so kind, because of your kindness, and of course because of the charity you just gave me, I'd like to wish you, I'd like to bless you. And he blessed me with many, many things, and one of which was, Arichus Yamim, longevity, long life. Hence, is my secret of my longevity. We do not know what good deed brings us the most amazing, fascinating blessings. As we said before, Pashas Miketz has phenomenal, phenomenal dialogue and happenings. Takes us through from Paris dream to the Jews coming down to Egypt. It's, it's just wow. Yasef rises to power. Not power. Yasef Atzadik becomes second in command in the land of Egypt. Wow. But how much, how deep, how severe, how strong? Paray says nobody does a thing. You don't lift a hand, you don't lift a foot without Yasef. Without Yasef's instructions. Without Yasef's consent. The Pasuk tells us, Rashi tells us on the spot, actually, why did, Rashi, why did Paray have to reiterate this? And Rashi says, Yosef was a Ish Aloha. He knew Aloha. 
He knew he had no obligation to feed the goyim, the arena, the uncircumcised. According to Taylor, according to Taylor, you have to give a Jew food. You don't necessarily have to give an Jew. You can give charity, but you don't have to support them. So Yosef insisted that everyone in Egypt who wants food has to have a bris. Circumcision. And they all came running to Pari. You hear what Mishigana told us? And Pari says, sorry, whatever Yosef says, you do. Whether or not Pari had a bris, we're not going into it. Yosef sitting on the throne. And Yaakov sends his children down. We'll discuss soon, hopefully, why Yaakov sent the children. Because that in itself is a question. Yaakov is a Bechirish above us. The Shvatim was shifted Yudke. There were no slouches here. What do they need to sustain themselves? Shimon Bayachai lived 13 years in a cave of carob and water. You tell me that Yaakov Avinu or his sons were desperate? A. B. Ilyutsu they didn't have. Let us say they didn't have. Where is their amuna? Where is their faith that God will provide for them? They travel all the way to Egypt for it. God could have sent it to them too. Stadlus, you're out there. Travel all the way to Egypt. Chasiramuna. Lack of faith. How did Yaakov's family have such a lack of faith? We'll get to that. Yezus' brothers come in through different entrances as, as per Yaakov's instructions. And they enter Egypt and Yezus has people on the lookout for them and lo and behold gathers them all together and brings them to Yezus. And Yezus says, Kedemotem, you're all a bunch of spies. He said, no, how could you say that? He said, because you're coming in from different Entrances, if you are not, you would have come in from the same entrance. And our father, our mother, you spies. Who are you? Your father's still alive, even? He wasn't sure. He was hoping the positive. You have any other brothers? Because he knew Binyamin was not there. He knew he had no mother. But everything was hinted. And Yasef forged himself. Steel, steel, solid steel, titanium, nerves, titanium emotions to refrain from bursting out into tears. What kind of supernatural 
actions that take mind over matter we know of course that the only other option was that he was cold like a fish like a stone therefore did not get touched did not get emotional over his brothers but this makes no sense he was not that type so what was he what was going on in his mind he doesn't lose himself doesn't burst out crying and then he sends them back and they come back with Binyamin his baby brother Binyamin finally he started to melt started to melt down this vision of Binyamin before him was it was a shocker and all of a sudden he wanted to cry he went into his own chambers and cried Rashi says why cry now based on many different things including if you keep his girl home Lamed Zayin Omid Beis 37 side 2 which tells us of the dialogue that transpired between Yosef and Binyamin. Yesh Och Me'em. Yosef asks Binyamin, Do you have a brother from your mother? And he answers, Och Eichnu. I had a brother, I don't know where he is. He doesn't say he's dead. Finally, Yosef asks, Yesh Lechabonim, do you have children? He says to them, I have ten sons. Beautiful, says Yosef. What's their names? And he says, Bella, Becher, etc., etc. He says, what random names? What are they based on? And he says, They're all because of my brother and because of the pains and the trials that he had gone through. He was swallowed up amongst the nations. He was my mother's Becher. This broke down Yosef terrible. Now, first of all, this is a Rashi. We know Rashi only gives us Pshud Shamikra. Where is Rashi going off to this long, lengthy Medrash and telling us all this about Medrash? In order to explain Yesus' emotions. Even without the Medrash, you understand, he sees Yesus, sees Binyamin, Sees the little brother of his from his mother. 
The only one that didn't partake was not really ruined in either partake in his sale. Twenty-two years of being disconnected from him. Naturally, he should have burst out crying. Why the dialogue? Honestly, Rashi, you're trying to help out the Chalmish the Mikra. Chalmish the Mikra is very, very astute and realizes and understands he met Binyamin, he's going to cry. The other brothers, he can hold it in. The other brothers, maybe he wanted to punch them in the faces. But Binyamin, it's going to make him cry. Mm-hmm. In that case, why Why does it actually go through such a lengthy explanation? In order to understand this, Rashi comes about and says this medrash. Because the way Yosef is behaving throughout. Before Yosef saw Binyamin, as we said, although he didn't cry, he didn't show any emotion. He was cold like a board. When does he want to cry? After this dialogue. So therefore we need to understand what was in the dialogue between him and Binyamin that brought this about. As a Mishnah the Melech, as a second in king, second to the king, nobody, the Yodim, Ishes Yodim, we said before, Yosef was very, very attuned, practically void of, the, of emotion. You have to understand, he's going to start with emotions and sympathies that he'll never have control over what needs to be distributed. So much more so when his brothers came along. He put a very, very hard shell on. Very hard. Although he was ready to just jump on and kiss him and hug him and cry his eyes out. It wasn't enough. to be able to hold back he didn't have it to be able to hold back his emotions 
And this only took place for the, the dialogue between him and Minyamin. When Minyamin, his brother, never ever took a moment of peace not remembering his brother Yosef and the pain of his brother Yosef. By giving the names of his children connecting to Yosef. Therefore now Yosef, as much as he felt this strong, strong connection between himself and Binyamin, this was way beyond. And this broke him. Chassidus explains Yosef Yosef says like the sheep of Yosef Jews are compared to the sheep of Yosef Binyamin who comes from the name Ben Oini my son in pain is referenced in Neshama the Neshama Tahira which comes down into this world from the beautiful high above, from part of God Almighty Himself, and enters into a physical goof, physical body. This is the concept of Ochi. The concept of being bound and connected to Kodesh Baruch Hu. Tzoros the pains that we encounter and it's <coughs> as it's consumed within the body and suffers horrific sufferings the tafkir of a Jew the mission of each and every Jew is to awaken the rachamim of the nisham of binyamin through awakening rachamim we awaken the Midas Herachmim from the Maila. And this causes Tashpaz Shefalakin Neshama. This causes tremendous Shefa to come down on the Neshama. And this way we can take ourselves out of the Mitzari Aguf and we cause that the light lightens up the Guf Gashmi. In whole mass, Adam, and everything that was. Said before three Sifritera this week, there are those that have a beautiful custom, and when there's three Sifritera, they make three kugels. It's a custom of its own, in its own league. Shabbos Hanukkah. Shabbos on its own has its own merit, its own strength, its own greatness. Shabbos Hanukkah, poof, how much even greater is that? Shabbos 
Chanukah, Wow. Super. Super. The Musaf, not only, we don't say Musaf or Chanukah, so not only now we're adding Shabbos Musaf, within Shabbos Musaf we're adding Rishchidosh, Shabbos Rishchidosh, Ati Yitzharta. Chanukah shines out more than any other Yom Tevim. In that, all the Yom Tevim and Shabbos's there's an obligation for an actual suda, a meal. The days of Hanukkah, this was not set up. Don't cover the mishteh v'simcha. Shkolanov says, there's no special meals that we need to have on Hanukkah. We eat dairy, um, we eat donuts, Apologize for the phone ringing. I have no one to answer it. What is the objective of Hanukkah? The objective of Hanukkah is Lahedes Ulahal. To praise God. Halanaidah. The meals that people have accustomed to set up on Hanukkah, it's nice. Nice to have Hanukkah parties, family gatherings, latkes night, etc. All beautiful, all beautiful things. Nothing is ever wrong by doing something nice. But the chayv, the obligation of the yomtiv, Lahal as Hashem to praise God and to light the candles. Mm-hmm. To remember the miracle. Mm-hmm. This is the obligation. Why? To commemorate. The miracle of finding the oil. The one jug of oil. And how it had one seal, only one rabbi, and everybody agreed to use it. All the rabbis. No rabbi said, I don't use that rabbi. Anyway. What is the actual difference between Chagim? Making Hanukkah the Chaga Chagim. From the Hus of the concept of Chag by other Yom Tevim other holidays the main decree was on the body of the Jews the Jews should be killed Chayim Purim so therefore we celebrate just like it was a physical Danger of being eradicated, God forbid, of being destroyed and wiped out. Therefore, we physically celebrate with a physical meal. And we save the body. 
Chanukah, it was a spiritual. To destroy the teda, to de- take away our customs, etc. It was a spiritual battle. Therefore, it's done spiritually, the commemoration, by lighting candles, etc. Since, therefore, it's a panemius, it's a more of a spiritual connotation, so a a meal of bread, wine, water, three things are hinted in the Teda. Bread and water are staples that one needs to exist. And therefore this is the revealed part of Torah. And a Jew needs to learn this, to know how to behave, how to act. Yain in turn, wine, one doesn't need wine to exist. Actually too much of it is not good for you. It adds simcha and chayas. And this, therefore, is the hint to Taita itself. To a deeper sense of serving God. But we have a fourth, besides bread, water and wine, which is shaman, oil. Oil separates itself from everything else. You put oil in water, it goes separates anything, any liquid, it'll separate. So lechem mayim and yayin, we can eat and we can drink on their own. Oil you do not consume on its own. We do not drink or eat oil. Mixed with foods, frying latkes is amazing. And it makes it even better, and it makes it tastier, etc. But, oil itself? No, no. It's a no-no. So this oil, this yomtiv of Shemen, this yomtiv that we celebrate now, we're celebrating oil, shows us how much more, how much greater, how high, how much higher, the yomtiv of Hanukkah is from all other Chagim. All of the yomtiv, we have to have wine and bread and water. And this one, because they, they have to do with other parts of Tera. But this yomtiv, although wine itself also goes into secrets of Tera, but Hanukkah shows out the you know, concept of Shemin. The sign of the roots of the secrets that cover even more Teda, which is called Rosen de Rosen. So the question begs to ask, Chanukah is only Midrabanon. Happened when the Jews were in a very lowly state. How is it possible that this holiday when the Jews were in the lowly of low, and a yomtiv, which is only from the sages, not from the Teda, that this separates itself, head and shoulders, 
above all of the Yom Tevim. But this is how the Tehra gets revealed. The darker spiritually that one gets and goes, the light shines even greater from. Therefore, Chanukah, Kesha'amda, Malchus, Yavan, Harashal, Amcha Yisrael, when the Roman nation stood up to literally eradicate the Jews, to take away their Torah, take away their Minhogim, their Mitzvahs, it needed a special light, the Era Torah. And therefore, is revealed through the concept of Shemen, of Razen de Razen. This is also Pashas Miketz. Miketz, the word Ketz Hayamim, the end of days. Because only then, at the end of exile, the end of Golos, will we merit to Razen de Razen, so that we can measure up, so that we can drive away the darkness we can measure up in order to taste from the tastes of Geula which comes upon us. Now we asked the question before what was Yaakov and his sons thinking? What were they doing going down to Egypt looking for food? Why were they not with their strong emunah and belief in God that God would God would provide interestingly when Yaakov sends his children down to Mitzrayim he says why should you show yourself before the sons of Yishmael and Esav as if you are sated go why was he worried about Yishmael and Esav they live so far away he had immediate neighbors that would have looked at them and said how come you have to, don't have to go to Mitzrayim and I do? Yaakov was not, his concern was not simply about envy. Fact of the matter is that ultimately we see that his food supply depleted. And he has to send them back to go bring more. Rather, he was more concerned about what Yishmael and Esav are going to say. Image. Public uh, image. Public opinion. They didn't have too much. But they were good. They were able to survive. And they were confident that HaKadosh Baruch would supply them without needing to relocate to get food. However, Yaakov was concerned that such behavior would draw unwanted attention from Esau and Yishmael, from their families. There were other families, in, there were other famines in Canaan, and the other famines of Ram and Yitzchak traveled. They relocated mm-hmm. in order to get food. Avram went to Egypt, Yitzchak went to Gerar. Mm-hmm. 
So we see they did move. So what's Yaakov's concern? Yaakov's concern was they would say, oh, they consider themselves greater They consider themselves even greater than Avram and Yitzchak. This is what Yaakov was worried about. That they shouldn't think that they are saying, Ah, Avram and Yitzchak, you relocated, we don't have to. We have greater, we're greater believers than you are. The truth is though, that Avram and Yitzchak didn't move only because they're famine. There are other factors that have them also motivated to relocate. Yaakov, however, knew that the sons of Yishmael and Esav didn't necessarily grasp that. And therefore, there'd be problems. So he instructed his sons, go and restock. If not for this concern, Yaakov would have stayed in Canaan with no problem. The truth is, grain itself is the staple of the human diet. And therefore, the analogous part is wisdom, knowledge. Just as food is absorbed into the bloodstream of the person and becomes one with the body, wisdom, chachma, one studies, is absorbed into the brain and becomes one with the mind. Egypt at one point in time was known as the capital of wisdom. The wisest of the land, Shaymanov says. And he says it in an expression saying, when he talks later about the wiser people, even wiser than those in Egypt. So therefore it gave the world intellectual sustenance as well. And therefore now it became the world's primary supplier of physical sustenance. So Yaakov and his family were not actually dependent on Egypt for their food, which tells us also they were not at all dependent on their wisdom, their knowledge. Adrabah, the opposite. The Jewish people were given the Torah from which to draw their wisdom. Even the knowledge of sciences is necessary comprehension, observance of the Torah. It's all essentially compl- com- explained and contained in Torah. In addition, where necessary, the Jewish sages themselves composed scientific works. In the era of the prophets, for example, Chachamim, the tribe of Yisachar, those sat and studied Tera. They wrote texts explaining principles of astronomy and geometry relevant to the works of the Jewish calendar. 
And this allowed a Jew's knowledge of the sciences to be entirely dependent of secular influence. He didn't have to go study in a secular society. Therefore, due to these unfortunate travails of exile, we unfortunately have to rely on some degree on the secular scholarship of knowledge, the sciences relevant to the Torah. But with the coming of Mashiach, Hashem, may it be now, however we look at it, the Jewish people's intellectual independence from Egypt will be restored. And will once again take the wisdom Mitera Chadashim Ititetse. So therefore, take this moment to wish everybody a Freyla Chanukah, a good Shabbos, a Mirabasara, Shavan Aliyah, and a Shabbos Shavan Aliyah, and Harschus, as we learned this year in Harschus. Many brachas should come upon her son, her family, his family. And we be zeche to the geula ramitas vashlema ayudei Mashiach tzedkenu this very Shabbos. A good Shabbos. Afreil chanukah. A good chedish to all.